0: Hey, would you stand on your feet as we get ready uh, to read God's word this morning? Pastor and Don, send their love. This is your last week uh, with me standing here um, for this time anyway. So, um, hey, Pastor is like, you know, he's chomping at the bit to get back in the pulpit and preach. And so he just wanted to let you know, man, he is ready to go for next week. And he loves you. Hey, listen, um, we are in our very, very last week of our series entitled God Is... And uh, for the last time, we're going to take a look at what I'm calling the core scriptures um, of this entire series. And uh, man, I'm hoping that uh, throughout the week, God's reminding you of these scriptures and this stuff is just like going so deep down inside your heart. Our hope in this series is this, that you would see God a little more clearly. Isn't that pretty fun? Because, hey, the rest of our life, man, we're going to be on this journey where he's going to be revealing himself to us. So, uh, if you got your Bibles, open them to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and uh, John chapter 17. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it reads like this uh, What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Listen, those who have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, okay, uh, they have not received the spirit of the world anymore. But here's who they have received but they have received the Spirit who is from God. So that we may, why do we have the Spirit? So that we may understand what God has freely given us. Church, we don't serve a God that is far off in a distance that you are trying to seek and trying to find. He has actually made himself freely available to you and I. He wants you to discover them. Isn't that good news today? And uh, our next scripture that we're going to read today comes from John. And now, here's how available he wants to be For you and I. Jesus said this to his disciples My prayer is not for them alone. This was speaking of his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and I. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The next part of the scripture literally says, he says, God, I desire to put my, the glory you gave me, God, I want to put that in your people. Listen, that's how much oneness God wants to have with you and I. That's how much he literally desires to be with you and I in relationship, that his glory, everything in him, would literally shine through us. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray today that the revelation of who you are, would just become so real. God, that word revelation is just a simple way of saying being aware of something we are never aware of before, new information. God, just bring new information to our soul, to our spirit today. God, with who you are and who you desire to be in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say a big amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but man, as I've been going um, through this series, really, I've been on a journey probably since about January, uh, just kind of totally diving in on who God is and what he's made available to me. But uh, specifically, as I've been just writing it out and and we've been putting this in a communication format, uh, man, God's just been blowing my mind. And even this morning in worship, I'd grab my notebook and I was writing some stuff down because God is just even making me more and more aware of how amazing he is. Listen, I hope you have taken us up on the 30-day challenge um, to declare God for who he is um, as you are beginning to become aware of new ways of who he is. Listen, um, we talk a lot about in this series the inheritance of who God is has been given to us and his inheritance uh, is literally revealed in His name, And so we've been talking about some of the different names of God in these last few weeks. We talked about God is our healer, that God is our sanctifier, God is our righteousness, and God is our peace. By the way, if you haven't got a chance to listen to all those, go online and join us, listen to the series. Hey, if you're online listening through streaming and you're out you know, um, on the beach right now, um, on vacation, we welcome you too. OK. I just wanted to say that. But if you're anything like me, and you've taken up this 30-day challenge to declare God for who He is, man, my faith um, has just begun to increase in new ways, and my awareness of who God is has just really gone to a, a new level, um, just because I begin to change the way I think, and God's Word is just doing something cool in me. So how many of you that God's kind of doing the same thing in you? Isn't that fun? Well, hey, listen, um, God has told me, he told me last week, and I just had this repeated theme in my heart. God is just speaking to me, and he's saying, listen, son, Sean, I am for you, what you can never be on your own. And listen, if you're in this room today, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not a very good Christian, I'm not really holy, I'm really not all that righteous, and I kind of feel like a mess a lot of times. Well, I want you to know that you're in good company when you're sitting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and Jesus is with you, because check this out, he came all the way to, the, to this earth to be for you, what you could never be on your own. Isn't that pretty cool? That's some good news. So we're talking about God is, so we're going to take a look at one name today. Somebody say one name. Somebody say Shammah. I, I, I wish I could speak uh, Hebrew. I mean, I would be absolutely out of control because I, I love these words. I love saying them. I love saying them with soul, and I don't even know if they're meant to say with soul. Shama. I mean, I just love to dig deep. I love my voice to growl when I say it. But here's what the word Shama is. The, the word Shama is a name of the Lord, and it literally means the Lord is present. Somebody say present. In your notes, we're talking about God is in this series. So what is God? What is the inheritance now that you are a believer? By the way, if you are not a fully committed follower of Jesus, uh, you're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service uh, to just take the first step in your journey by accepting him into your heart. And you can have this. But as you become a believer, one of the things that you receive as an inheritance as a believer is is God's presence. So we're gonna talk a little bit about Jehovah Shammah today. And I learned some new things as I was studying through this, and it's a lot of fun. So Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. I'm not gonna read this entire story. It's a very rich story. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I wanna encourage you to go home and read that. I'm gonna paraphrase it for you, but let's talk a little bit about what this verse says. It says this, it says, And the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. That word is the word shama, present, eh, there. The Lord says, I am shama, I am present, I am the Lord who is there. What is so significant about this? Um, In this book, Ezekiel, there's a vision that this man gets that God gives him. And in this vision, God tells Ezekiel, he says, hey, listen, that city, by the way, the city, really quickly for Bible scholars, the city is really the city of Jerusalem that he's speaking about. He says, this city, the city of Jerusalem, from the time on, this vision that he's given, from that time on, I'm going to call that city, I'm going to change that city's name. And that city's name is no longer going to be Jerusalem, but it's going to be called Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. What is so important about this? Well, here's what's so important about this. During the time that this vision was given to Ezekiel, the the Israelites and the Jews had been taken away into Babylonian captivity. They'd been taken away from Jerusalem, okay? And the other thing that's really interesting is that the temple that was in Jerusalem was destroyed. If you've been with us the last several weeks, you have seen my incredible drawings. Maybe I should have went and had the whiteboard left up here. My drawings have been amazing. And if, if you remember, we kind of have always had the Old Testament over here to the left, which represented the law. And then we've had the New Testament over here to my right, I guess, and your right, if we're looking this way, which represents the grace, the new covenant. And one of the things that we've learned about the old covenant is that people would have to come and sacrifice to be made right with God. Go back and listen last week, you'll figure that out. The way that they did that and the location that they did that was in what was called the temple. Inside the temple was the place that the presence of the Lord resided. So what was interesting about the statement that Ezekiel made, because the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, so God was telling his people, hey guys, although there's no temple available, and although my presence is not available because my presence was in the temple, there's going to be a time where I'm going to change the name of that city, Jerusalem, where the temple was, where God's presence resided, and I'm going to change the name of that city, and that city is going to be called the Lord is present. You see why he said that. So this is pretty interesting. So, so um, as we move forward, let's talk about the presence of God. We're going to talk about it from two contexts kind of one from the Old Testament context which we're going to call past availability that's in your notes and then we're going to talk about it in the New Testament context but let's take a look at God's presence in its past availability so it's important to understand that we're not talking about now when we're talking about the past availability we're talking about it's a, the presence of God's availability under the law what was the presence of God's availability under the law here's what it was it was limited it was limited Here's how we know this, and I'm going to give you a little backdrop really quick. The presence of God left the earth and became limited all the way back in the garden in Genesis. And uh, if you're new in your faith, the, the story of the garden, is, it's, it's, uh, it's in uh, Genesis, and it's the whole story of God coming. He created mankind, and, and God put man in the garden, and he said, hey... I want you to rule everything here. I want you to take dominion of everything in here. I want you to govern it. I want you to manage it. Everything in here is yours, full access. But, God tells man, he says, there's going to be a tree in the garden. Uh, This tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can have anything in this garden except that tree. I want you to know, Adam, that if you take from that tree you will surely die. God was really clear without him. There's boundaries even in the garden. You can have everything in here, but you just can't have that one thing. Sometimes we get a little hard on Adam and think, well, if I was in the garden, I probably wouldn't have eaten from that tree. But isn't it true that unfortunately most of us learn our best lessons in life by touching what we're not supposed to touch? I don't know, just in case you thought you were better than Adam. Um, It's that equal playing field, like we all do it. Um, So This is the place where the limited presence of God began. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says this, because man sinned, this is what happened. The Bible says, so the Lord God banished him, Adam, which represented all of mankind, from the garden of Eden to work the ground for which he had been taken. Listen, the Bible says that man was banished from the garden. He was banished from the presence of God all the way back in the garden. Genesis 3.23. Isn't it interesting that Romans 3.23 says this? It gives a description of that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But under the new covenant, under grace, under the cross, the Bible says that there is a gift to man, and the gift of God is eternal life, talking about the cross. I just thought that was really interesting when I wrote that in there. Then then the then here's what happened. So man completely fell away from the presence of God. Now the truth is God never wanted separation from humanity. He never did. He always wanted relationship with humanity. But listen, he wanted mankind to choose. Now, my translation is that's the reason why the tree was in the garden. Because man had a free will. He had an opportunity to choose God or to not choose God. Adam decided to not choose God. We all paid a penalty from it and we all became separated from God. Now, because God desires to be present with his people, God has, in your notes, God has always made a way for his presence, even though he banished humanity from the garden. And we see this in his limited presence in the Old Testament. His presence was limited to the tent, in your notes, to the tent. We see Moses um, in Exodus 33, um, we see Moses in this scene where man had been banished from the garden, mankind was being rebuilt back up, they were try- trying to figure out how can we worship God, how can we bring God's presence down, and it was difficult, but here's what God did do. God met with a man, so his presence was limited to humanity, but he did meet with a man, and he communicated to amen in the tent. Nobody else was allowed in this little tent. This tent was pre-tabernacle. This was pre-everyone coming and bringing the sacrifice to that tabernacle. This was just a little tent. I don't know how big the tent was, but I just imagine a pretty small tent. So God's presence was limited to that tent. Here's some interesting things that we can understand about the presence of God. The Bible literally says that God spoke to Moses face to face inside this tent. Here's something really interesting. That word face-to-face, as I begin to study, it literally just means it's the implications that God spoke clearly to Adam as if he was speaking to him face-to-face. It actually was not a face-to-face encounter with God. Here's also why we understand that because later in the the verses, we see that God God comes to Moses and Moses is telling God, God, I want to see more of your glory. I want to see more of you. And God says, listen, I'm going to come But the Bible gives us a picture of God coming over Moses, hiding Moses in a rock so that Moses could not see God coming face to face. The Bible says he hides his full presence from him in a rock. And he comes around him. Then Moses comes back up, turns around, and he sees the backside of God. How strange is that? And so, you didn't get it. Um, So here's Moses looking at God's booty. I just had to say it. Sorry. So here's Moses looking at God from the backside. His booty spiritually is probably way different than ours in the flesh. I'm just saying. Um, So he's checking out God from the backside. And God says, Moses, nobody can see me face to face. If he does, he will surely die. I think that it's possible. It's just my opinion that as we walk through this life in the flesh, it is impossible for us to see God in the fullness of his glory while we're in these human tents. we will die. Our physical bodies can't handle it. I think that's why we get a new body when we go to heaven, to meet him in the air. Isn't that interesting? The next place that we get an opportunity um, in the Old Testament to see God's limited presence is in the tabernacle. If you study the Old Testament a little bit, you'll see the tabernacle is extremely, um, it's got so much significance to it. Listen, everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. Everything in the Old Testament Points to Jesus, you can 't appreciate the cross unless you've understood how difficult it was to experience the presence of God in the Old Testament. You just can't appreciate it. that 's why it 's important to understand the Old Testament and to read it. so god 's presence was limited next to the tabernacle. Humanity still could not be in the full presence of God, but God still loved his people and made His presence available. here 's what happened: One time a year, the priests would come and they would gather all the sacrifices, and they would take the sacrifices. And they would come and they would meet God in a place in the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. It was, the tabernacle had three places. Imagine this, the outer courts over here, right? The inner courts, and then the third place, the Holy of Holies. Between the Holy of Holies and the inner courts was a gigantic curtain. That curtain represented separation and limited presence of God, limited presence of God to humanity. It was limited inside this little location called the Holy of Holies. And only one time a year, the high priest would get to go into the Holy of Holies because he had to go, that high priest had to go through so many ceremonies to obtain the right level of righteousness and holiness and separation from people to get into God's presence. Now, if you have been listening and been a part of our journey, we talked about how God has made us right with him We no longer have to go through all these ceremonies to get in his presence anymore. He makes us in perfect right standing with him all the time. That's why he can be God, the God that is present always. Because he can't be present with you if you're not right with him all the time. But he makes you right so that you can step into the Holy of Holies and be in his presence. Now, it was limited. Now, it's important to understand how it worked in the Old Testament. Because if you can't appreciate that, well, then you can't appreciate what we're about to talk next. So here we go. Because God has always desired to be present with you and I. If we fast forward from the time of Ezekiel's prophecy, if we fast forward about 400 years to the time of Jesus... The presence of God drastically, I mean drastically, changed in its availability to humanity when Jesus stepped foot on the earth. The vision that Ezekiel got about God bringing Jehovah Shammah, his presence to Jerusalem, his permanent presence to Jerusalem, became fulfilled. He said the name of that city, Jerusalem, I'm going to call it, the Lord is present. Here's something else really interesting to understand about Jerusalem. In the Bible, Jerusalem is often a type of the church. A type means it's a symbol of the church. So when God says, I'm gonna bring my presence to Jerusalem, here's what else God is saying. I'm gonna bring my presence to the church. Who's the church? You and I. He said, I'm gonna bring my presence in a way that humanity has not experienced me since the garden. Moses didn't get to experience God's presence, his full unlimited presence this way. Uh, Joshua didn't get to experience God's unlimited presence this way. Isaiah, all the major prophets, all the minor prophets, nobody got to experience God's presence the way that God wanted him to experience it until this time, Jehovah present. Jehovah the Lord is presence. Let's talk about his present availability in your notes. So, from the time of Jesus until now, until the time Jesus returns, that's what we're talking about his present availability. We see God's presence become more relational and available to humanity than, and, than it had ever been in all of history, right here in this moment, because of the birth of Jesus, the unlimited presence of God became available in your notes. His presence became unlimited. We understand this because of, in your notes, the presence of the Son. The Bible says in John chapter 1, uh, I love the scripture. This used to confuse me. It was like a major tongue twister when I had first gotten saved. And then I got to admit, after being saved for a long time, uh, I would tell everybody, go read John. It's like the greatest thing of the gospel. It's the greatest revelation of Jesus. And, and people would go read it. And then I'd go back and I'd start reading it because I told other people to read. It and I was like, this is really confusing. So let's talk about this. God's presence was made available to you and I because of this. In the beginning, in the garden, was the word. Who's the word? Just a little test for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the Word. Jesus was in the garden. He was there in the beginning, and the Word was with God, right? Jesus was with God in the beginning, and the Word was God. So not only was Jesus with God, but He actually is God. So that's where we talk about the Trinity. That could be a little confusing if you're a new believer, but the truth is that God reveals Himself three different ways God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So we so we see John giving a an explanation of what this is all about. Then it says, He being Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Interesting. So um, if if that means that all things were made through him, Jesus, so I guess when God created the world, God must have thought of it, and Jesus must have fashioned it with his hands. Because that's what the Bible says. Without him, Jesus, nothing was made made that has been made. In him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Listen, the minute God sent his son to this earth and his son stepped foot on this planet earth, Jehovah Shammah came for the first time ever. The unlimited presence of God now became available for humanity. Listen, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, because actually Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is the actual true fulfillment of the entire prophecy. The Bible says that when that happened, remember remember the, the, uh, the Holy of Holies and the inner courts, remember that? That curtain that separated people to experience the full presence of God? In the temple in Jerusalem, when Jesus died on the cross supernaturally, nobody touched the curtain there, but the Bible says that that curtain literally was ripped in two, split in two. God was saying to his people, I am no longer limiting my presence to this little room called the Holy of Holies, and it's no longer just available for the high priest, but I'm actually coming out of the room and I'm going to come into the people and I'm going to be with them because I'm Jehovah Shammah. And because of the son Jesus and his death on the cross, his presence is now made available to you. Listen, I know this isn't like I'm not revving you up and we're not shouting down. But I'm telling you, if you begin to get this revelation in your heart and begin to realize that God is present in you, it will change the way you do everything. It will change the way you think. Here, here's the next thing. God's presence uh, is available to us also because of the Spirit. So so not only did God's presence literally come and walk on the earth, and it was around a location, and people got to experience the full full, uh, unlimited presence of God when they were around Jesus, all right? But because of the Spirit, Now, all of humanity, all the time, has an opportunity to experience the presence of God. Uh, The Bible says in John 14, 15, this is something really important for us to understand. Um, Here's what's said here, verse 25. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or the word is called helper. Now, understand something. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. All the disciples knew that Jesus was about to go away. They didn't understand full extent what was going to happen to them, but they knew he was leaving. Because the disciples were experiencing Jehovah Shammah, the unlimited presence of God, they were going, hey, wait a minute. I don't want you to go. You can't go. You can't leave. I don't want your presence to go away from me. I want your presence all the time, like we're experiencing right now. And he says, hey, it's okay hey, don't worry, I'm gonna go to the Father and I'm gonna ask him to give you another advocate, another helper, another partner, right? And here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna help you and he's gonna be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit. The world can't accept him because they can't see him and they don't know him, but you know him. Another, Another testimony of the Trinity. Jesus tells the disciples, but you know him because he lives with you. Jesus is saying, I've been living with you. I'm God, and I have everything that God has, and the Spirit is in me. You know him very well because the Spirit is in me. But when I go away to the Father, the Spirit is not going to be just with you anymore, but where is he going to be? In you. What does the Bible say about the presence of God? It is not tied to human tents no longer, but it's actually in bodily tents, you and I. God, because of what has happened with the Holy Spirit and the Advocate coming down to this earth god has literally placed his present presence inside you and me didn't we say jerusalem was a type of the church didn't we say that we are the church didn't ezekiel say in that prophecy i'm gonna change the name of that city jerusalem i mean i'm gonna call it the lord is present everywhere you go the lord is present it doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what emotions you're having around it or you are or not having around it. The Bible says Jehovah is present. God is present everywhere you are. Go now. As I was setting this out and been thinking about this for months, I, I got this scripture that keeps popping in my brain, and, and it kind of goes because I'm like diving in, guys. I'm all in on this thing. I'm like, God, you're right. Your presence is always with me. It's always there. All, I, if I show up, your presence shows up. It doesn't matter what's going on. If I'm there, you're there. That's how much unity you and I have, and your your glory's in me, and I'm I'm all in, God, on John, and I'm believing and I'm declaring it, and I know that everywhere I go, God, I know that you go, and if I walk down these steps, God, you walk down these steps. And as I walk into this crowd, God, you walk into this crowd because you're Jehovah Shama, and your presence is in me. Amen. Say Shama. Yeah. This is, makes you kind of giggle, huh? I'm messing with you, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have laughed when I said Shama. It's the craziest thing. Do you understand that he is present with you? Now, the religious side of me was going, well, Sean, he's really not that present because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, that he is there. But I, I, I want to. I went back to that scripture because I was like going, okay, God, well, if two or three are gathered in his name and he is there, then wouldn't that also mean that if two or three are not gathered in his name, he is not there, so then wouldn't that mean that if Jehovah Shammah and I'm one, wouldn't that mean that it's not right that his presence is not fully with me when I show up? I'm like, God, what's up with that? So I went back and I read this whole story in Matthew 18. I want to encourage you to go and do the same thing. It says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. What we have to understand in context about this scripture, this is talking about discipline in the church. This scripture is actually not talking about prayer at all. This is talking about having two or three witnesses to sin in a church. And God is saying, if there are three people that agree that this sin is wrong and that what is happening in the church is incorrect, God says, my presence is there and I agree with you. That's what this scripture is talking about. This scripture is not talking about you needing to gather three people to pray for his presence to show up. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad the Bible is so clear? But it's so funny that when we memorize little pieces of scripture, when we don't memorize it in context, we think incorrectly about things like the presence of God. And it's so important for you and I to understand that the presence of God is a real thing. Because of this new awareness that I've just, I've had over these last several months in this Aha, that when I go like this, God goes like this. And when I go down here, God goes down here. Because of that, I've had to change the way I think about a lot of things. And I've had to change the way I speak about a lot of things. And I think maybe if I've had to change some of those things, it might be possible that you might need to change some things as well. So in your notes, I've kind of came up with a, a few different things that we might need to change our mind about. I said this a couple weeks ago, and I want to say it again. When we talk about the word repentance, if you've been in church a long time, you often think about somebody raising their hand to receive Christ. They come down to the altar. They repent. They say, I'm sorry. And then part of the word repent means to turn around. So then it's this representation of them turning around from their old, wicked, sinful life, right? Right? And moving forward to Christ, right? But the word also means to change your mind. So I've had to repent a lot about how I talk about the presence of God. I've had to ask the Holy Spirit to change my mind about how I think about the presence of God. So it'd do you a little good every time you think incorrectly about the presence of God to stop and say, God, I repent, change the way I think about your presence. And here's a couple things I've had to change. And here's how we as a church may need to change this. How we perceive his presence. Listen, his presence is not tied to your worship style. His presence is not ch- tied to your lighting preference or your sound preference. His presence is not tied to your emotion. His presence is not tied to how you feel. Why? Because he's simply present. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. He's present! You walk into a worship environment, man, I feel God, man, oh, he is definitely present in here. Okay. I understand his presence is really sweet in here, but his presence was with you before you walked in the building. So just because you feel something different doesn't make him any more present than he was when you were driving down the car, flipping the guy off when he was, uh, you know, getting real close to you. He wasn't less present to you then. He was present with you. Why? He's just Jehovah Shammah. And you can't change that about him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be present in his believers. That's just what he does. That's how he is. Yeah. I learned this lesson a few years ago when my wife and I had resigned a church and um, we were temporarily looking for a home church. We found a church that we thought would be our home church. We had a lot of friends that went there. Um, it was a, a, the church had a, a great name in the air, so we went to the church. The very first thing I noticed was the worship style. It was not how I liked it. It was not as exciting as I liked it. And people really weren't raising their hands at all, like maybe two or three people. And, and, you know, my wife and I were probably one of them. And I remember walking away from that worship experience thinking to myself, man, God's presence was just not there. I don't know why I continue to go to that church because... If I'm like most of you, you probably wouldn't have returned that to that church. And a couple weeks later, I started learning about that church. I started learning that that church tends to reach a lot of Catholic people. That church tends to reach a lot of unsaved people. And God told me, he said, son, I want you to understand that my presence is not tied to your worship preference. I am all over this world in my local church. And my presence is everywhere. And I'm doing great things in the kingdom all over. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that my presence is not there. Man, I was so convicted and humbled by the Lord in that moment. And I've changed the way I've spoken. Every time I go into a new worship environment and it's not how I like it, I understand what people are implying when they say the Holy Spirit wasn't there. I, I under, especially Pentecostals. Come on, y'all. Let's laugh. Let's lighten up. You need to get lightened up a little bit. That was a little heavy. Uh, especially you Pentecostals. Especially us Pentecostals. The Holy Ghost was not in there. Okay. All right. I got you. I understand what you're saying. But, you know, if we all count to 10 and start jumping up and down, would that make you feel better? I don't know. But he's Jehovah Shammah. And it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. doesn't matter what you're experiencing. He is there because he is a present God. Just because you don't see his activity the way that makes you comfortable or the way that you think he should be active doesn't make him less Jehovah Shammah. He's still there. When you lose your job and the money's running out of the bank, And you're screaming, where's God? It doesn't make him not present. He's still present. Because as we talked about last week, the issue is that you're seeing life in the flesh. You're experiencing the pain of loss in the flesh. And you're seeing everything through an absolute fleshly perspective. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to climb over you with his peace the way you see. And he's trying to get you to see like he sees in the spirit. And when you begin to see like he sees in the Spirit, his peace surpasses all understanding, all the way you understand life and all the feelings and emotions you're having. And his peace guards you and he covers your heart and your mind. And all of a sudden, you can just begin to relax and you can begin to go, God, I thank you that you're Jehovah Shama. I thank you, God, that you are my peace. I thank you, God, that even though, man, my bank account's going down, I hardly got anything to eat. My stinking car's breaking down. I'm really ticked off right now, and I'm probably going to cuss during this prayer, God, but I thank you for your righteousness. (laughs) I thank you, God, that you make me right with you all the time, and no matter what I feel on this earth doesn't change the fact that you're Jehovah Shammah. and I'm telling you, when you begin to declare, some of you are giggling right now because you cuss when you pray. I'm praying for you right now. (laughs) I'm praying for you now, but when you begin to declare God for who he is and stop looking at life through the flesh, man, the faith begins to arise in you and things begin to change. And the next thing that we might need to change when we think about the Jehovah Shammah, the presence of God, is how we pray. I know what we mean when we say God, I pray that your presence would come into this place. But God's like, I'm already here. You don't need to ask me to show up. I am here. I understand what you're saying. I get it. I've said it a million times. I know. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying the word of God says that he's already here. He's with us. So I've had to change the way I pray. And even when I, at night, I've changed the way I pray with Ellie. Instead of saying, God, come and protect us tonight and show up, be in our house, guard us, I say, God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your peace. I don't have to beg you and ask you to come because you're already here today. And God, I thank you that you are, a, you are a, guys, I couldn't get to all these names and it really irks me, but I thank you, God, that you are the strong one. Yeah. I thank you that because you're the strong one, you're strong enough to provide and protect and be everything that we need for you tonight. I've had to change the way that I serve Listen, some of you struggle in God's calling upon your life. Some of you think you're out there on your own by yourself doing some great work for God on your own. But you're not because he's Jehovah Shammah. He doesn't go, hey, son, go do this. Good game. Go get him, buddy. He's not a coach. He goes, let's go. We're going to go win the world together. I'm not sending you alone because I'm Jehovah Shama. Don't you like that name Shama, Sean? I, I do, God. I love that name Shama. I love to laugh when you say it. Can we say it again, Lord? Shama. Okay. But he goes with you because he's always with you. He's a present God. Isn't that good news, guys? Don't you, don't you love God's word, man? We've been talking about God is these last several weeks. And as the musicians come forward, we're going to close this service out. Man, God is y'all. God is. He's present. He is amazing. He is righteous for you because you can't be righteous on your own. He is the Lord our peace because we can't be peaceful on our own. He is the Lord our healer because he, we can never heal our spiritual death state, but He can. We can never heal our broken physical bodies, but guess what? He can. He is the Lord, our sanctifier, because we can't be separated and holy on our own. It's absolutely impossible, but he accomplished it for us on the cross, and he became holy, separated, and sanctified, and perfect for you and I, because we could never be because God is.